welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you, primarily the members of Sacred City Church in Davenport, Iowa, and Moline, Illinois, to follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. And one of the most important factors about your life is what you believe about God and how you understand the scriptures. When I'm talking to people, when I'm counseling, when I'm meeting with folks, I just realize uh, over and over and over again, really how little we understand the Bible. That we kind of get the big picture. We get, you know, the gospel in one sense, but we don't realize how the Bible speaks to a lot of different areas of life. Um, you know, we say we're gospel-centered. Well, that means... So to, to imply that there's a center would imply that there's a periphery as well. <laughs> so it's like, if the gospel is the heart, the rest of scripture is the body, right? Provides the body. And it's important to know from the head down to the toes, right? From the heart to the fingers, uh, what the Bible teaches. And so um, we hope you're finding this podcast helpful. This segment is called Theology for Everyone, where we're working through the Westminster Confession of Faith. And today we're, we're in a topic that uh, most folks don't think about very often. I think most, most Christians that I interact with um, would not believe what we're going to teach today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe something counter to what we're going to teach today. Um, they've grown up in maybe evangelical churches or um, churches that don't really have a solid understanding of the Old Testament or understanding of the covenant. And so they, they don't um, understand how the Old Testament law is still in practice or still in use today. Like the, 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 um, the lawful use of the law as the way the, the New Testament says it, that the, the law is good as if someone uses it lawfully. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> the West, excuse me, the Westminster divines, they, they, they knew that they had a good biblical theology. They understood what was going on. And they said, we need to talk about the law. Um, last time we we mentioned the first two articles on the law of God in chapter 19, and today we're going to try to hit um, three, four, and five. So we're going to try to get through all. So of them. I just got to know who's in the room today. Oh yeah, that's a good Ooh. question. That's a good question. Let's go around the circle. Well, <laughs> to my right, you guys can't see this, but to my right is our pastor of discipleship, Rob Spikester. Howdy, guys. And my Kevin, oh, my Kevin, my <laughs> pastoral assistant, Kevin Kenor. Hey, guys. <laughs> and our sacred, oh, my goodness, I can't talk today. Our deacon of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate. How's it going, guys? All right, there we go. Uh, it's good. Maybe I should just let you guys introduce yourself. Why do I have to say it? <laughs> right, yeah, time? yeah, that's okay, right. That's what I'm going to do now. next time. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, guys, this is my first, this is my first rodeo. <laughs> Um, I'll give you grace today. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we, I preached yesterday and uh, had some long meetings, and so my brain is not uh, back to 100%. That health bar is only is probably only sitting about 60 today, so we need the Lord to help us. So last week we talked about the moral law, and the last time we talked about it, we talked about the moral law, and, and we said the moral law of God is still in effect today. Yeah. The Ten Commandments yep. and every other commandment that God gave that is moral because... The moral law comes from the nature of God. So it's because this is how God is. Mm -hmm. Therefore, God is the God of life. Therefore, do not commit murder, right? And not only do not commit murder, but protect life and bring about human flourishing. 
So all the Ten Commandments, have, have, they have a negative and a positive aspect to them, okay? So all of the moral law of God in the Old Testament is still in, fact, in effect. But we talked about there's a couple other types of laws in the Old Testament. There's the ceremonial mm-hmm. and there's the civic. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm. Article three, beside this law, so all commonly called moral, God was pleased to give to the people of Israel as a church under age ceremonial laws containing several typical ordinances, partly of worship, prefiguring Christ, his graces, actions, sufferings, and benefits, and partly holding forth diverse instructions of moral duties all which ceremonial laws are now abrogated under the New Testament. Okay, so um, this is interesting because in this definition, um, they're making a separation from ceremonial laws, okay? And they're saying that these ceremonial laws are pointing forward to Jesus, his graces, actions, sufferings, and benefits, and partly holding forth diverse instructions of moral duties. So even in the ceremonial law, Mm -hmm. there was some moral laws. Mm -hmm. There were some things that they had to do to make make themselves fit for the worship of God, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, they they say all of which ceremonial laws are now abrogated under the New Testament, okay? We're going to go through this a little bit. Um, I want when you're thinking of these ceremonial laws, Rob. What do you think of when you think of these ceremonial laws? Well, I would think sacrifices are primarily the ones I would think of. Um, just the obviously pointing to the the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus Christ, the shedding of blood, um, uh, the substitution of, yes. uh, of an animal for a person, that that kind of thing. So definitely that. And I, and it was interesting. I didn't. I didn't. I've never thought about the fact that there is still moral duty within even the ceremonial law. In that, you see in that ceremonial law the need for those who are bringing forth that sacrifice to be set apart absolutely yeah well and think of the new testament when it says things like like in uh, hebrews in hebrews chapters 12 yeah. how our worship should correspond and he says mm. our god is a consuming fire yes so he he makes a point to say mm. oh you're not you're like there's still a moral like we now i don't want to get into it too far but but we still have to do things to make ourselves Right. Sure. Yeah. We still have to confess our sins yep. bef- before we swagger into the presence of God, right? Right. Yeah. right. So, what do you guys think of when, any, any other thoughts on the on what you what comes to mind when you think of the ceremonial law? Yeah, clean, unclean. Good. A lot of washing. A lot of washing, <laughs> lot of washing going on, isn't there? A lot yeah. of foods. Yeah. They, oh, they, foods, sure. They couldn't do. Yeah. Think of like the priests mm-hmm. and think of the ephods that they had to wear, all the fancy garments mm-hmm. that they had to wear. Think of the lavers and the mm-hmm all of the candles and think of the senses mm-hmm. and think of all of the accoutrements of, yeah. of worship. Think yeah. of the, just the, 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 the way the tabernacle was set up and then yeah. eventually yeah. the way the temple was set up. Yeah. Think yeah. of the priesthood. Think of, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into the ceremonial law, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yep. Uh, all the, there's lots of sexual stuff too, right? Like, sure. and just a lots of different rules about, Making yourself clean mm-hmm. before you entered into the presence right. of God. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. yeah there, there was a lot. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go through this definition quickly and then point out some scriptures. 
besides the, this law, commonly called moral, God was pleased to give to the people of Israel as a church underage ceremonial laws containing several typical ordinances, partly of worship, prefiguring Christ, his graces, actions, sufferings, and benefits. What text do we have there? We got Hebrews 10, Christ's sacrifice once and for all. For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifice that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Okay, so specifically there, Hebrews is referencing the Day of Atonement. Mm -hmm. So there was different sacrifices. There was daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices. And then there was the yearly sacrifice, the Day day of Atonement, right? Mm -hmm. And these sacrifices had to be done all the time Mm -hmm. in perpetuity right constantly and now christ's final sacrifice fulfilled that and so christ perfected mankind by one sacrifice Mm -hmm. right right so he fulfilled that so this is interesting and this if you're studying your bible i would encourage you do a bible study on um the ceremonial law and how it pointed forward to, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very interesting. Every piece of their worship was pointing forward yeah. to Christ. Right. You know, Christ is the fulfillment of all of it. And now we, we think of the lamb and the sacrifice, but it's far more than just the lamb and the sacrifice. So some will say that, uh, you know, Jesus filled it, right? So what does that look like for the people now? Yeah. Well, let's keep going and then I'll answer that question. <laughs> that is a good question. <clears throat> all right. So, and partly, so, so the, the, Ceremonial law was partly pointing forward to Christ and partly holding forth diverse instructions of moral duties. Mm-hmm. we got a text for that one. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 6.17 It says, Therefore go out from their midst and be separated from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. Hmm. Okay. Now here, this is interesting. When we go to the Old Testament... The, the ceremonial laws themselves, it says right here, all which ceremonial laws are now abrogated mm-hmm. under the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But the moral duties mm-hmm. within them are not. So the moral law within them are not. And we just read that, that scripture. So in the Old Testament, it said, this is how you separate yourself, right? right. Don't wear mixed clothing. Yeah. Um, don't eat shellfish. <laughs> like, and this is what, so if you need, you need to know this because modern skeptics and modern atheists have been taught that the Old Testament law is absolutely ridiculous. And, it, and the moral law contempt, condemns homosexuality. And then they go, oh, yeah, well, that same law condemns you wearing mixed garments. Right. Well, you have to learn to separate the ceremonial from the moral, yeah. okay? And so the principle, the moral, the moral duty still remains. We can't live like the surrounding nations. We can't live like pagans. Yeah. We can't worship like pagans. The application of that law in the in the Old Testament looked like wearing mixed fab, fabrics and doing all these different things and all these washings. But today, it looks like come out from among them and be ye separate. Yeah. It looks like being in the world, but not of the world. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're still called to moral purity. We're still called to, you could even call it ceremonial purity. This is one of the reasons our gathering is set up every week. To confess our sins yeah. <laughs> when we come in. Yeah. Right? This yeah. is, this is we're obeying the law yeah. when we do that. 
right? We're confessing our sins to God and God's uh, calling us in and God's, God's forgiving us. That's the first thing that came to my, to my mind when you were saying that is that, the, that even when we gather together, while God does call to worship him, which is a gracious call on his, on his part, there is this place immediately within our service where then there's a need to, we need to confess and, mm-hmm. and, and bring forth what we know is, is sin, setting ourselves apart. Obviously, depending upon the mercy of God to then give us the absolution, which then we hear the absolution and hear mm-hmm. the grace of God, which then enables us to come into his presence in a more a way of worship. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. And the moral, the moral duty also of the ceremonial law is also come into his presence, mm-hmm. come into his presence. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, so how do we, how do we obey that law today? Spiritual disciplines. Okay. Well, I'll come into his presence. How else? Like, just prayer. I mean, okay, prayer. Prayer. Enter. Enter in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. I'm just literally thinking the Sunday gathering. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, very sure. simple. Like, many Christians today think that church is optional. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I need it, I guess. We're commanded. It, the Lord's day. We're commanded to worship Him. Yeah. Mm. Ev- like, if, to obey the moral law means to worship him. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the, still, keeping the Sabbath is still one of the Ten Commandments. Even mm-hmm. if it's fulfilled, it's no longer Saturday, it's the Lord's Day and Sunday, as we see in the New Testament. Yeah. It's still it's still a moral duty for a Christian to worship God with the saints, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, we can't just say, oh yeah, that's Old Testament, and, and wipe it away. Any Christian that does that you're 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 throwing away. Well, you're 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 disobeying Jesus because mm-hmm. Jesus says that the, the law is forever. Mm-hmm. It's it's eternal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is but and we know there is wrong ways to use the Old Testament. If you if you if somebody writes a book that says you shouldn't eat shellfish because the Old Testament mm-hmm. says it, that's the wrong use of the law. Acts, the book of Acts, Jesus opens up all foods, right? Yeah. Peter sees it. Nothing is unclean, so. Rise up, kill and eat, right? And so, so we see that that law, that shellfish law, was fulfilled in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I want to do this is because I, I don't want Christians to get befuddled by that, that, oh, yeah, you backwoods Christians, you can't even eat, you know, you say homosexuality is wrong, but you can't eat shellfish. Give me a, and, it, and people, oh, well, what do I do with the Old Testament law? Right. Well, that Old Testament law was fulfilled in the New Testament, and it, it shows us clearly why. Yeah, good. Yeah, and I think that the division that you're making is very helpful for folks to really understand that there is this division between uh, the moral, the civil, the, the, what's the other one? I'm just forgetting all of a sudden. The moral, uh, the ceremonial. Ceremonial, yeah. Ceremonial, yeah. yeah. Ceremonial. yeah. And so this, that's, that's helpful. And remember, this is what's interesting. Because all laws come from God, they are all going to have some kind of moral that still pertains to today. Yeah. Okay. Now this is interesting because we're going to get into the civic, mm-hmm. right? This is where things can kind of get a little sketchy. <laughs> to them also as a body politic, all right? A polis is just a group of people that are that are together. So a body politic. He gave sundry judicial laws. Um, sundry that just means many. I think. Yeah, right? I think many are various. Various, yeah. various judicial laws which expired together with the state of that people, not obliging any other now further than the general equity thereof may require. Hmm. Okay? <laughs> That's quite a sentence. It is quite a sentence. I would have gotten in trouble in school for that sentence. Yeah, that, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. 
All right. So let me try to explain this. Um, they were not just a worshiping community. They're, they were a worshiping community that required ceremonial laws. God says, this is how you worship me. Yeah. They were also a politic. Mm -hmm. They were also a nation, a nation state. Okay. And therefore they needed judicial laws. Mm -hmm. Right. And so God gave them different judicial laws. He gave them case law to, to work things out. And, um, as a nation, those laws, are, well, it says right here, expired together with the state of that people, not obliging any other now further than the general equity thereof may require. Mm, okay. All right. So that we have a text for that. Yeah. Matthew five seventeen, and then verses 38 and 39. Mm hmm where Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then later he says, You have heard it said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Okay, so Jesus came not to get rid of the law, but to fulfill the law. Okay, now this is what I mean. You're going to go through the Old Testament and... and you know, Deuteronomy and such, and you're going to read a lot of weird laws. And those laws were governing the, the behavior of the people. They were, uh, most of them were preventative laws mm -hmm. requiring, you know, if you get a communicable disease, what you, what you do with that. If you accidentally kill someone, what you do with that. If you purposefully kill someone, what's going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. um, the, the lex talionis is what Jesus was refer referring right there, yep. which is the law of retaliation. And it is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now, many people think that that's literal. <laughs> like if you poke somebody's eye out, then your eye gets poked out. That's not what that means. Mm -hmm. The eye for the eye, tooth for the tooth means that if you do something against someone's person, something similar or equitable should be done to you. Mm -hmm. Now, how that actually worked out in the Old Testament was if you punched somebody and you, you, he went blind in one eye, you would have to pay him for that. You'd have to pay a fine and, and something equitable, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you accidentally killed somebody's goat, you would have, you wouldn't, they wouldn't go kill your goat. Yep. Mm -hmm. You would have to pay them to, to buy, be able to buy a new goat. Yep. So the, we still use really the, the law of Lex Talionis today. And that mm -hmm. law is still in practice. Now, listen, here's what I mean. The Old Testament civil laws, they're not one for one. We don't, we can't lay them over top of our society today, but we have to, we, there, but the moral the moral law within them is still in play today. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to give you an, one example here. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, from, let me see here. Where am I? Yeah. Yeah. From Deuteronomy 22 verse eight. Here's one of the civil laws. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof. That's basically a, ra a railing around the roof that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house. If anyone should fall from it. Okay, now, if I'm a builder today mm -hmm. and I'm a Christian, do I need to put a railing around my roof? Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so, no, you don't. But let me show you why. Yeah. Let me show you why. Uh, in, that, in this day and age, they partied on the roof, right? Remember in Jesus' day when they... <clears throat> 
they went up there and they they dug a hole in the roof and they lowered the man down through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're if you're throwing a party up on the roof or you you have living quarters up on the roof and you don't have a railing and kids are up there and people are up there, someone can fall off and die, right? right? So they say a lo- this is a, really a law to protect life. Mm-hmm. Put a railing when you build a new house, put a railing around mm-hmm. the roof. God told them to do that. All right? Now, how would the moral <laughs> of that law apply to today? Build a parapet around your roof. <laughs> well, only, only, and, and I, I, I say that only. My, my first thought was is that I remember driving down I seventy four and they're working on a roof, a flat roof. Uh-huh. It was the, uh, it was where they were doing the car sales, cars, uh, car dealership, okay. and it's got a flat roof. They had, now they had, of course, they were builders and yeah, they yeah. were working on the roof. They did have a. A, a temporary yeah, okay. parapet all the way okay, around sure. it. So I thought, okay, here is the moral working out of that law. Okay, good. Let's protect those people. All right. Here is a, here, that is true. Here is a, a more normal one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Put a railing on your steps. Yeah. Hmm. Put a railing on your deck, mm-hmm. your second floor deck. Mm-hmm. Like we have laws that say if it's above this height, you have to have a railing around your deck. Sure. Right? Yep. These are, this is a law to, to protect life. Here's another one. Build a fence around your pool. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So neighbor kids can't just wander over there and fall into the pool and drown. Yeah. So the moral is still in play today. Right. You, you, if you live in town, you have a moral duty to put a railing on your second floor deck and to put a fence around your pool. Yeah. Okay? That's still, that's still in play today. Right. All right? Um, here, here's, here's another one. Uh, Deuteronomy 22, same thing. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. And if he does not live near you and you do not know who he is, you shall bring it home to your house and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. Huh. So we see here, I'm, I'm, walking, I'm walking to my job. I see my brother's donkey wandering off. I can't go, huh, that stinks, but I'm, I'm on my way to work. Mm. The law of God, the moral law of God required me to go and take that donkey, either bring it back to my brother's house or bring it to my house yep. and, and watch over it. Yep. Okay. Mm. How would that moral law? Obviously, we don't have donkeys today. Or most people don't have donkeys today. <laughs> <clears throat> how, would, well, how would that play out? Someone's dog. Someone's dog, mm-hmm. neighbor's yeah. dog, right? Even a kid. I mean, I'm not saying kids are dogs or animals, <laughs> but I mean, if someone's kid, you know, I guess, you know, escaped the house and yep. maybe the parents are sleeping or whatnot and you're a neighbor, you know, it's like you don't want them to get hit by a car. Great so example. You- My wife and I <clears throat> were driving home one day from going to the chiropractor and we saw a two-year-old wandering in the street. Mm. <clears throat> and we pulled, o- we pulled over. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> we pulled over right away. I jumped out. I scooped him up, brought him off to the side of the road, and we started going house to house to figure out who, who, who he was. And he had actually accidentally wandered out the back door or whatever. Hmm. Now, this is, what, this is what's interesting. We talked about it last time. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Comes right out of this. It comes right out of the, yeah. lo- the yeah. law of God. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. You know, when I, I, we've said this before, but when my dad taught me, if I borrow somebody's truck or somebody's vehicle, that I am to, no matter what, how much gas was in it when I got it, mm-hmm. when I, I'm, I'm, I'm required to fill it up with gas yeah. 
when I return it. Yeah. And if, if I bump into anything or if I damage anything, I'm required to pay for that thing. Right. Now, I just thought that was kind of a, a good old boy yeah. you know, thing mm-hmm. to do. But that comes right out of the Old Testament civil law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That if, if you borrow somebody's ox and you damage it, you have to repay them for it. You can't just go, sorry, man, you know, my bad. No, that's not loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor looks like obeying the moral of the civil law. And we can go back and we can see over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now, some of these are harder than the ones that I just did, right? Some of them, you ha- you'll have to pull out a commentary to be able to understand. But this is why we why I need, I, I'm trying to explain this. When, when God gave these laws to Moses, it was, they were kind of like a patchwork quilt. He doesn't just say, here's all the ceremonial laws. Mm-hmm. Here's all the civil laws. Here's all the moral laws. They're weaved together where they could be one after the other, yeah. right? And you, ha- and you have to really parse them. Mm-hmm. And we've done this before. Remember when we, ta- we were talking about the tattoo, yeah. right? We went in there and we, we oh, talked yeah. about the moral, right. uh, the moral behind the tattoo, but I think it's good too that you talked to, you brought in like love your neighbor because still for the you know the common folk that just you know read the Bible from time to time and they're new believers or whatnot like to be able to say okay what do I not you know obey the old law and the the Old Testament and but the New Testament's more relevant like it's you know it's pointing to Christ but Christ fulfilled it it's a little confusing you know but when you said like to love your neighbor it. It, it sums up all those things and to love God, it's still, you know, living out of the Old Testament, yeah. which is good. And I think we need, <clears throat> we desperately need to get back to understanding the law of God because all scripture is inspired by God and mm. profitable for yeah. teaching. And when they wrote that, that they're mainly thinking of the Old Testament. Yeah. <clears throat> and today, when the, we are commanded to love our neighbor, yeah. most people in our society thinks that means feel something towards them. Hmm. Sure. Yep. Oh, yeah, I, I love I yeah, kind I love my neighbor. I don't have anything against him. <clears throat> Instead of thinking that that there's a set of laws that govern your behavior towards them. Like this is what love looks like. Mm. This is what a good neighbor does. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. For uh for them. This is what love actually looks like, right? I think um I just think that's a lot more helpful to go, yeah. okay, how should, you know, what's it, what's it look like to borrow a tool from my neighbor and how, how should yeah. I treat that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And I think that what you had mentioned at the very beginning in the introduction is that uh, not only were these a worshiping people, but these were a, a people, a body of people, a, um, a, a polity, if you will. And um, unfortunately, we live in such an independent kind of society that says, hey, because it just hit me when you said, yeah, I love my neighbor. I don't have anything against them. God's calling us to more than neighborliness is not just having nothing against our yeah. <laughs> neighbors, actually getting involved in our neighbors' lives. Yeah. Yeah. Loving our neighbors is not something that is, a, as you mentioned, a, just a feeling for them, I, but it's an actual action towards them. And it would be interesting to see how many laws in the Old Testament, these civil laws that we're referring to, would actually be actions that are expected of God's people towards their neighbors. Yes. You know, not well, just think simply. about the gleaning laws. Oh, sure, yeah. The gleaning laws. The farmers were commanded to not glean or reap mm-hmm, the, the, edge. the edge to the edges. Yeah. They were to leave the edges. And now this is interesting. They're to leave the edges for the poor, mm-hmm. so that the poor could come and work, work for, for themselves. Yeah. And they, because the, the Bible still says, the man that doesn't eat or the man that doesn't work 
shall not eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't let the rich people glean to the edges and then give some to the poor. Mm-hmm. No, don't glean to the edges and let the poor come behind there and, and yeah. glean. Now, our, our society doesn't, doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. But there's still a moral there that can be, can be brought into, into today. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Now, this, is, this next article is pretty interesting. And I keep saying it's interesting, but it is interesting. <laughs> At least it's to me. Hopefully it is to you. <laughs> the moral law does forever bind all. Okay. Okay. The moral law does forever bind all. Mm. Okay. So the law is still in effect. Listen, for everyone. As well justified persons as others mm-hmm. to the obedience thereof. So mm. what we're talking about here, mm. these laws are for everyone, not just for Christians. Mm-hmm. This is what God expects of everyone. And so if they're breaking commandments, they're in opposition to him. Mm. So what about when some people say, you know, um, the way we live our life is, you know, we could see that um, it's it's doable and, you know, we, we want to see Christians live it out, but we can't expect someone else to live it out. Yeah. That's not a Christian. So where does that fall into this? Okay, they're still okay here that's a great point the law is overall everyone is expected to obey the law okay mm-hmm. only christians can actually fulfill it and live mm-hmm. it out and we can't do it perfectly but because we've been given the holy spirit that enables us to love the law and desire to obey god and to desire to walk in his ways mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so the law is expected is it's over is overall, mm-hmm. but no one can obey the law in their own strength, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And the law, so for the Christian, the law also, because we fail, it drives us back to the gospel, yeah. right? And then the gospel and the Holy Spirit drives us back to the law mm-hmm. to obey it. Yeah, that's good. Which is the whole purpose of the law is that it drives people to God. That actually yeah. drives. So we don't want to reduce the. Okay, well they're not, they're not Christians or they don't they don't know the law. So let's just let's let's lower the standard or lower yeah. the bar. If we do that, we have just defeated the whole purpose of the well, yeah. one of the purposes of the law, and that is to drive people to see that I can't fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. I need somebody who would fulfill it on my behalf and would help me to fulfill it once I trust in Him. And so I think it's important that we don't minimize. The law, yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and many. Here's how some people say it: like even in our society today, oh, we we shouldn't legislate morality, right? Yeah, very well, popular um, statement. Every that's everyone. It, it's not whether we legislate morality; it's whose morality are we legislating? Right. That's sure. what we're called to do. It's who, what's the standard? Is the standard the law of God, or is the standard some humanistic, man-centered version of mm-hmm. their idea of mm-hmm. the law? Christians need yep. to realize that the that you know, let's just say legalizing homosexual marriage has ju- all it's done is legalized sin, mm-hmm. and they're still now they're re- rejoicing and celebrating something that God hates and God condemns and God will judge them for because they're breaking the law of God. Yeah, they're breaking commandments. So, it's not whether we will legislate morality; it's which morality will. Yeah, legislate. Right, right. Christians should say, we want to legislate God's morality. Why? Why is that? It says this. 
So to the obedience thereof, and that not only in regard of the matter contained in it, but also in respect of the authority of God, the creator hmm. who gave it. Hmm. Okay. Moral laws are just as much laws as the law, quote, laws of nature. Mm -hmm. So we follow the laws of nature. We, we, follow, we should follow the moral law. Why? Because it re reflects the character of the creator. And it's, and it's you know, uh, that's um, James 2. Do we have that, that yep. scripture? James 2, uh, 10 and 11. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. This goes for Christians and non-Christians, right? Um, we have to obey the whole law, right? Not for justification. And when you do fail... You are worthy of condemnation. You are worthy of death. You are you have disobeyed God, and you are a breaker of all the law. Right? Neither does Christ in the gospel any way dissolve, but much strengthen strengthen this obligation. Matthew five seventeen eighteen and nineteen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus. Wow, that's what he says. Not one iota, mm -hmm. not one dot yeah. of the law. He says, anyone that teaches that I, my standard is lower mm. will not be, what, what, was the, what was the exact words? Will be, uh, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Jesus did not come to lower the standard. He came to fulfill the standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he's called us to live up to the higher standard. Yeah. And that looks like the standard of the law, mm. all of the commandments. Mm -hmm. That's what God's called. And th guess what? That's not burdensome. That's the good life. Yeah. Yeah. This is the creator who's given us these laws. Just like you talked about the, the physical laws that we all kind of understand. These are moral laws that the creator has given to us and he's given it to us because he's a good God. He always gives good gifts. Mm -hmm. What he wants for us is the best. He wants us a flourishing life, yeah. a human life. Yeah. I feel like so many people look at the law and they see <clears throat> a harshness or a, it's constricting mm. and they want this kind of liberal attitude of, of, you know, open. Oh, that's just too harsh. It's too harsh. Even when you look, Oh, death penalty for, for these sins. No, no, no. And so we don't punish things as strictly as scripture says to punish them. And, and the scripture does, talk about death penalty but it also talks about a very high standard of proof mm -hmm. and you're innocent before proven guilty and you have to have like two eyewitnesses caught you know catch you in the act before mm -hmm. the death penalty could 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 be enacted you know it's not just uh, today where you know we have a very low standard or whatever yeah. so but if we so we lower these standards but then look at our society mm. how much violence is in the streets mm how much theft, how much immorality, how many people are in prison 
just forever, just on the state's dime. So much of our taxes just going for millions of people yeah. mm-hmm. in sitting in prison, some of them for stupid laws or stupid, st- stupid things, right, that the Bible wouldn't even put them in jail for. Yeah. Um, and it's like we think we're doing our society a favor when it seems like we're just, you know, inviting yeah. chaos. God's way just seems to be a lot simpler, a lot cleaner. Yeah. Right? Imagine that. And I just yeah. think it's the good news, like uh, Rob was just talking about how, I mean, God's a giver of great gifts in the midst of this. He knows that we can't fulfill it, but he gives us sen- and sends the helper in us to be able to walk these thing out, these these pieces out of us living out the law on, on a day-to-day basis. And uh, like you said, as we fall short, we repent, and it pushes us back to the law and a relationship with God. So I think that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> good. Was that it? That's it. Any other questions on that, guys? So we, again, like just, in, just to cover this, we have... The moral law of God, still 100% in effect. We have the civil law of God. Now, we have to be careful when we're interpreting that. There's going to be morals inside there that are still in effect. Mm -hmm. But the application is going to look a little bit different as we move to the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And then the ceremonial aspect, same thing. There's going to be, um, that's been fulfilled, it's been put away, but there's still morals in there. And, And here's one moral that I can think of. Unbelievers cannot come into the presence of God. Hmm. In order to come into the presence of God, you have to be made clean. Hmm. The only way to be made clean, it's not by going to the priests and offering sacrifices or cleansing yourself. It's by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and his, him, the high priest and him, the living sacrifice and him, the, the, the the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world Mm -hmm. and his blood covers your sins and makes you clean. Yeah. So see, see, see that connection there. Hmm. The ceremonial law has been fulfilled in Christ, but the moral that that we must be cleansed, we must be made right before we can enter his presence, that's still here. Yeah. Yeah. That's still here. Hmm. Why do we preach the bad news of the gospel? Why do we preach the bad news of the gospel? Drive them to the good news. (laughs) That's it. If they don't realize that they're outside the camp and they're unclean, if they don't realize they're unworthy to enter into his presence, if they don't realize they deserve death, hell, and judgment, Mm. then the good news of forgiveness and grace and redemption and love in Christ won't make sense to them. And most people that I talk with, it doesn't make sense to them because they don't feel like they're under judgment. Mm. Mm -hmm. They don't. All right, well, that's that's, uh, three articles on the law. Hopefully that was helpful for you guys. Maybe that stirs up some questions. So if you've got questions, email me, justindeen at sacredcitychurch.com or rob at sacredcitychurch.com. We would love to answer them here on this podcast. We love you guys. We are praying for you. We will talk to you soon. God bless. God bless.